friends. Welcome to the Declare Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Watson, and I'm so excited that you're here. I am really, really pumped up about today's guest because I basically want to be her. We are talking to Elisa Pulliam today, and you're going to love her. If you're joining us for the first time, though, I want you to know that Declare is a ministry where women who are writers, speakers, and podcasters gather. Our team is so dedicated to equipping, growing, and connecting Christian communicators. And if you want to know more about who we are, what we do, go check out our website at wearedeclare.com. You're going to find information there about our conference, our online classes, our local meetups, and so much more. You can even go ahead and get connected today with this amazing community of women. All throughout the year, we get emails from women interested in a discounted ticket or a scholarship to our annual conference, which is coming up this October. What I want you to know is that the way that we do that at Declare is that at the beginning of the season, we offer our very lowest ticket price. And then as we get a little bit closer to the conference, the price goes up. So for example, right now is your best opportunity to save money because tickets are at the regular price. But coming July 1, the price is going to increase. So if you've been on the fence about whether or not you want to come, go ahead and make that decision. Do it right now so that you can get the best possible price. That's what we're hoping that everybody will do. And I also need you to know that we have a tendency to keep our conference on the smaller side on purpose because we are so passionate about encouraging face-to-face community. It's really important to us. But that does mean that tickets do sell out. So if you're thinking about joining us, don't hesitate. I don't want you to have any FOMO or fear of missing out. Our conference this year is warrior-themed, and we do expect it to sell out. We're going to be in Dallas October 4th through the 6th, and we have added a new pre-conference option for anybody who wants to dig a little deeper. The pre-conference sessions used to be called labs, and they were available on a case-by-case basis or a one-off kind of basis. They're 90 minutes, and they're really, really intensive kind of sessions, but In order to streamline that process, we're offering them now for one low price that includes lunch. So the topics for the pre-conference are already on the website. Go check them out and see if they're right for you. But don't wait. Again, pre-conference tickets are going to sell out because we're limited due to the size of the classrooms in the hotel. So when they're gone, they're gone. Are you interested in connecting with our community of social influencers with your ministry, your business, your service, or maybe your new book? We have sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, our webinars, our connect events, and the conference itself. There's a whole bunch of affordable options and several packages come with some really cool perks. You can learn more about helping to sponsor or partner with us by sending an email to info at wearedeclare.com. Speaking of sponsors, I want to thank our sponsor today, Loved and Blessed. You've heard about all the subscription services out there where you get outfits or food delivered to you every month, right? Well, how about getting a monthly box of encouragement too? Loved and Blessed is like getting a care package from someone who loves you. And who doesn't love that? This is one of those things where you buy one for you and then you send subscriptions to all of the women you adore. Plus, the Loved and Blessed community of women exists to help you stay centered and growing in the best and in the worst of times, which is so important. They have an active online community and they have live discussions and waiting over there for you are all your new best friends that you haven't met yet. So check out the Loved and Blessed website and start getting encouragement delivered to you today. Girls, if you join Loved and Blessed and use the offer code DECLARE at checkout, you're going to get a free gift in your first box. So that's kind of awesome. In our last episode, I talked with Crystal Stein. Crystal just released her brand new book, Holy Hustle, Embracing a Work Hard, Rest Well Life. And y'all, I just cannot say enough about how much I love this girl. I know you're going to adore her too, especially after you listen in. We talk about redefining failure, the truth you don't want to hear, how to deal with feeling guilty about work and shame about resting, and so much more. I don't want to be dramatic, but this girl and her book will change your life in the very best way. That is episode number 78, so check it out. Today, we're on episode number 79 with Elisa Pulliam. I told you at the beginning that I want to be this girl when I grow up, and I'm kind of laughing inside because she started blogging on a dare. Lisa is a podcast host, a life coach, a writer coach, a speaker, a mentor, an author of multiple books, and she recently released her newest book called Unblinded Faith, Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word. And it's for those people who are craving unshakable hope. And I don't know about you, but I am always craving some unshakable hope. She's also the founder of the Kaleo Agency, where she's all about helping women like you and me simplify the message and maximize the mission. All that, and she's a wife and a mom. 
but I promise you she is a sane woman. We talk about how you're being mentored and you don't even know it, the one woman you want to help, and the free gift, I said free gift, that she's offering to all of us. So I'm not going to make you wait anymore for all this goodness. So let's go ahead and get started with our conversation with Lisa. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the Declare podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is super fun. Oh, you know what? I'm so excited. And I told you, I mentioned this to you earlier when we were chatting for just a couple of minutes that there is so much good stuff that you have to offer that we don't have time to cover it all. But I'm going to have to get in contact with you after this because you do so many things for writers and for speakers and authors. And I just cannot wait to touch on all of that today with our people. But a couple of things. First, your name is Elisa, but you go by Lisa, correct? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I go by Lisa. Okay. I saw you have a cute little explanation for that on your website. So I will direct people to that. We'll have your website on our show notes afterward so that they can see the story about why you do that. But I do have to tell you that I think both names are quite beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. It is a beautiful name. It means um, it comes from like Elizabeth, which means a gift of God's grace. And boy, that sums up my story (laughs) really well. Okay, great. Well, that leads me to the second thing I was going to ask you was, you know, for anybody who doesn't yet know you, would you just take a minute and share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe a little bit of your story? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am saved by grace. I did not grow up in a Christian home, came to faith in college. And I say God rescued me from every kind of dysfunction you could possibly imagine. There was, there was emotional and physical abuse. And I love my parents dearly and close with them now. But we went through some hard stuff. And when I came to Christ, you know, the outside was pretty quickly transformed. I knew how I learned how to go to church and become part of a small group in a Bible study, but my heart really didn't become fully yielded to the Lord for almost another 10 years. And at that point I was married. My husband and I will be married 22 years this summer. Congrats. Uh, Yeah, super celebration. We have made it this far by God's grace. Uh, And then we had children. So we have four. Leah is 18 and just finished college and Uh, My middle, Abby, is 16 and just got her driver's license. And then I have twins, Luke and Caitlin, and they're about to be 13 this summer. And in the middle of kind of raising all these kids, the Lord really showed me the hardened parts of my heart. And I went into a season of counseling in which God did a work on healing me and showed me how to forgive my parents and how to forgive the wounds that had been inflicted on me through certain people and situations and showed me how to receive his forgiveness for the things that I had done that I had felt such guilt and shame about and begin walking in the truth of his word, which has been a journey of such fruit for the, I guess, the last eight to 10 years to bring me up to today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited because I didn't grow up in a Christian home either. And I've got some of that same history behind me. And, you know, I've got kids near the same age as you and my husband and I met in college. And okay, we're just meant to be best friends forever. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Sounds good. I love that. I love having (laughs) best friends for life. I am one of those people who like, if I become friends with you, there's no end. You don't get out at some point. (laughs) I'm a lifer. Yeah. Okay, well, that's actually really good to hear because I feel like friendship these days can sometimes seem disposable, but that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother thing that we're going to talk about, but I totally agree with you. But I was going to ask you, you said in your bio that your life and legacy were radically changed by God. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. And I wondered, was that a one-time thing or does he keep radically transforming you? Oh, it's definitely a keep radically transforming. I often say how much I cling to the promise that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And for me, that's good news every time I face my failure and my sin, because it means he's not done. He's just not done. And yet I can see, especially in these last 10 years since I went into counseling and and primarily went into counseling because my anger was so severe. And no matter how much I prayed and how much I asked the Lord to take that from me, it was still an issue. And through that season in counseling, really unpacking my stony heart kind of came out on the other side of it with less bitterness, less criticalness, less hostility, less anger. And 
have learned with the letting go of all that, there's been room for deeper change, more joy. We were talking about that before I got on, more joy, more peace, more patience, more fruits of the spirit. And I see it manifest in my family you know, as a mom, but I also see it manifest in how I'm handling you know, the last 10 years of my writing and how I handle running my coaching business and how I handle the opportunities that God puts before me in light of a kind of his sovereignty and his grace with less fear than I, I used to have. Oh, that's so great. I think that's something that we all want is just a little less fear. Yeah. Fear traps us. It is pretty much, I was just teaching this in the coaching class this morning that, you know, anytime a person feels like they don't have a choice, like they're like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know if I should do this. And when you find yourself circling that same mountain of decision-making again, at the root of that somewhere is a, a fear, a fear of failure, a fear of rejection, a fear of not measuring up, uh, a fear of being exposed. And if we can get to the root of those fears, uh, then we can begin to tackle them and, and move forward with God's truth. Oh, I love that. The root of the fears, the core issue, like what is behind it? Because I think we can put band-aids on fear and fix it and say, I'm just going to push through it this one time. But without understanding where it's coming from, it's always going to be there. You're going to always have to put a band-aid on it and you're never going to really have that freedom. Yeah. I think we also mask it with like, well, I just want to be wise or I just want to be discerning or I just, you know, I don't want to be reckless. And so we have other words that we try to excuse our fear with. And when we do that, we remain stuck. And that's just not not a good place to hang out. No, it's not a good place to hang out. And that actually brings me to a question because you are very passionate about biblical mentoring. You love those relationships. That's just one thing that you do. But as a former women's ministry director, me, I can tell you that I think there's an extreme shortage of that thing in the world, like a critical need for it in terms of everything, like overcoming your fear and just how to study the word, how to dive deep, how to live in that freedom and be confident in the Lord. And I'm just curious about your thoughts about why there's such a huge gap and how we as women can begin to close that gap on biblical mentoring, not just for each other, but for ourselves. Yeah, this is one of my like biggest, deepest, most passionate points because lots of different reasons. And I'll try to be brief on this, but we lived at a boarding school for 18 years. And in that boarding school environment, I was surrounded by women of different ages. I had the older women and I had the younger women. And so we ate together, we worshiped together, we prayed together, we played together. We were involved in each other's lives. And yet I would have told you I didn't have any mentors because my definition of a mentor for too many years was somebody with a title and a coffee date commitment. And so I didn't have anybody that was saying, come meet me on Tuesdays at two so that I can mentor you. And so I walked around feeling like I didn't have a mentor and at times really thinking, I don't want one. I don't need one. If I need one, that must be a sign of weakness. And so uh, the Lord really, I was at a, a actually a big old conference and a woman referred to another woman as her mentor. And I could see the whole crowd kind of go green with jealousy and came home from that conference and said, Lord, something's up here. This is a hot topic. Please show me your way of thinking about this. And began to see that mentoring is what happens when the generations are connected together and doing life together. When an older woman makes herself available in the sanctuary of you know the church or in the outside area outside of the sanctuary and is there and greets a younger woman and then says to her, how are you doing? And that younger woman is courageous enough to say, I'm so glad you asked. Actually, I'm really struggling in this particular way this week. Like I can't figure out how to discipline my kids or get the meals on the table or my house is a mess and I, I don't know what to do. And then the older woman doesn't say to her, oh, honey, I know when I was in your stage, I had that trouble too. But if you would just get off your smartphone, you would be fine. Like, oh, right. Right. That is a disaster. But when that older woman would say, you know, I understand where you're at right now. I, I remember the struggle. Tell me more about it and gives her space to think and talk and share and then maybe it says, hey, can I come over and I'll help you fold laundry and we'll have a cup of tea together. And just kind of beginning to break down the things that hold us apart, which is our need to prove and please and perfect. 
and instead say, hey, how can we do life together side by side? And in that context, you start telling stories, right? Like, so the older woman might say, I remember when Johnny was five and I was folding his socks and man, I was so tired and weary, but God put it on my heart that I should just be praying for the fact that there were feet to fit into those socks. And right there's a mentoring moment from an older woman to a younger woman of like how to think biblically about that moment. I love that. And I especially love what you said about get off your smartphone, honey, because I think that we're in a culture of we have to fix it. So when somebody comes to us and says that they're struggling with something or they're having an issue, we somehow see our jobs as providing a solution for that. When in fact, sometimes just being there and listening and like you said, going over and helping fold laundry is really what is needed. Yeah. And I think two, two things on that. I totally agree with you on that. And as a coach, what I do when I work with women, what I do when I teach coaches is how to use open-ended questions to bring about an aha, because nobody ever does what they're told to do. They do what they figure out they need to do. Right. And so it's from a place of conviction that we move into changed behavior. And the Holy Spirit is the best one to bring that conviction forth. And so creating a space where it's safe to say, I don't have this figured out, but I'm pursuing God to find it. And will you pursue him with me? It just could be life changing because we're not doing life that way. Women to women, men to men, generation to generation. Um, And I also think that practically, I see this in lots of communities that I go to. I see even when I come to speak at retreats on the topic of mentoring, that people sit with their own generation. And it's the, it's not normal to see mixed generations sitting together because you cling to your comfort. And I think social media and technology has made that a gap between the generations greater than ever before because one generation doesn't know how to use and communicate how another generation is communicating. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes the younger generation doesn't think the older generation has anything to offer. So they sort of dismiss it without really looking into it and feeling as if they could gain some knowledge from that. I see. And I would challenge that. I think the younger generation is the, they're the hungriest. I've done a bunch of generational research. They're hungry, hungry, hungry for mentors and for people to speak into their lives. But their body language and the way they walk around and the way they sit and when they're on their phone communicates a message to the older generation of they're unavailable. Interesting. It requires the older generation to say, hey, here's an empty chair. Come sit next to me or getting up from your comfortable spot and walking over to a group of 20 something, 30 something young women say, can I sit with you guys? I would just I really want to get to know you. That requires courage as opposed to fear, which was what we were talking about, right? Oh, so much courage. Yes. Well, and I love what you're saying, too, because I feel like in a lot of ways that really takes a lot of pressure off of people, off both groups, because you're not looking for a formal mentoring relationship, but you're just looking to have a relationship that can potentially benefit you by learning something about the other person that might help you in your own in your own life. Yeah. I have this blessing because of this experience of the boarding school to develop a habit that now I'm putting into place now that we're not at the boarding school, we're just in a church setting of recognizing that one conversation could change my life. And likewise, one conversation could change somebody else's life. And so that one conversation years and years ago was I was watching this young girl, Sarah, and I was thinking, man, I want my daughter to be just like her when she's her age. And I had the courage to say to Debbie, her mom, Debbie, what have you done to raise your daughter this way? It was literally one conversation. And Debbie said, if I could sum it up, and she gave me like a list of things. And I'm like, okay. And I put that into action. And to this day, Debbie, I still consider her one of my mentors. And yet we only had one real heart-to-heart conversation. That's amazing. And obviously, we're all going to need that list of things she gave you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was super. I just got to see her a couple weekends ago. and I hugged her and I'm like, you know how much I love you. And she goes, I know. And I love you, too. But if you counted the hours we've spent together over the years, it's not a whole lot one on one. I mean, we went to a conference here together. We maybe grabbed a cup of coffee once together, but not a lot of time. And so 
that gives me confidence to like walk into my church and ask, you know, Lord, who's that one person you want me to talk to today? Because that matters. Absolutely, it does. And what's really cool about that is that you never know when something that you say is going to have that effect on someone. Or when you're asking somebody a question, you don't know if that's one of those, this is about to change my life moments. Yeah. But so life keeps changing. It's so cool. So I had a friend back from my where I used to live down here visiting. And she said, Oh, my word, did I ever tell you about that time Jessica talked about you? And I was like, Oh, no, what'd she say? So Jessica was one of our babysitters and would come so we could go out on a date night. And I always made time at the end of that date night to sit for a half an hour and chat with whoever our babysitters were. So Jessica was one of them. Apparently, like I rerouted the direction of her college education and like her life priorities and had no idea how much influence I was having over her in the moment. But she's now just had her third baby. And she's talked about me in this past year of the influence that I had through doing life with her that way. And I don't think anybody listening would think, oh, I can mentor my babysitter. But literally, it could be that simple. I love this, though, because like I said earlier, I think there's this critical shortage and you are just taking away everything that could potentially be complicated about it. It's building a relationship. It's having a conversation. It's sharing your wisdom. It's being willing to learn from someone else. And that's really all there is to it. It is. And there's one more piece to it. Sometimes women are very afraid to mentor because they're afraid they won't know what to say. And I look at a bunch of different scripture passages in the work that I do with mentoring. But Psalm 78 talks about uh, one generation passing down the hope of God to the next generation. And so if you have the hope of God alive in you, you simply conveying his hope in, in a dark situation, conveying his hope because of what you've endured and what you've learned passes that hope forward. And that's part, I think, of the call of biblical mentoring. You know, that's so great. And I love everything that you're saying. And I know there's more information about that on your website. And it's such a great need. I really hope that women are going to start to look at mentoring a little bit differently and maybe a little more confidently. But they can always find out more information on your website, which I will put the link to on our show notes. But Mm -hmm. I also wanted to talk to you about another thing on your website, which there's so many things. I mean, so many great things. You've got online classes, you've got a podcast, you've got just everything under the sun, but I kind of zeroed in on writer coaching. Yeah. So I wanted to talk with you about that for a second, because I like to think of myself as a writer. I don't really know or feel like I'm a particularly good one, but I want to be. And so I'm constantly looking for great resources. I've attended dozens of conferences. I've paid the big money to find out how to do the writing the best way, all that kind of stuff. And I had never heard of writing coaching until within this last year. And I did a session with someone and it changed everything for me. Yeah. I was shocked. I thought I knew what I was doing and I found out I really didn't. And it was one of the most valuable hours I ever spent in my whole life. And so I was thrilled when I saw that on your site, that that's something that you offer. So I think so many women could use it. I was just wondering, could you share a little bit about what that is, how you came to be doing it, and why women need it. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of different varieties of of writer coaching. And so I'm not sure what you walk through. But what I like to do with women is help them clarify who and what are they writing for and about. So what is their message, multiple messages, as it is in my case, but what is their message? And who do they feel God has called them to deliver it to? And then how can they do that most effectively? And so as we break down like the most effective piece, we're looking at it from a perspective of what I call missional marketing, which is about serving, not selling. That the idea is that when you are building your email list, it's not because you want big numbers. It could be. That's the pressure that we feel. But it's because you believe you have a message that God has given you that you want to give to those people who are going to sign up on your list. But in order to get them to sign up on your list, You have to be very clear in what you're offering when they come to your website. So then it becomes about what are you saying about what you're doing and how do you do that more effectively? And that may be uh, it may get down to the nitty gritty of your grammar and your writing style. 
But it may also be like, what is your voice and what message are you communicating? Are you telling your story that you want people to join you in your story? Or are you telling something that will benefit your reader? How can you communicate that in a really effective way? And the big picture is I end up working with women who um, kind of two types of women. One woman has a writing project and is having trouble being organized on getting that project done and timeline and content strategy. And then the other kind of woman that I work with is trying to figure out, do I go traditional publishing? Do I go self-publishing? What do I need to do to end up where I think I'm supposed to end up, God willing, in the long run and kind of developing a strategy for that process? Absolutely. But, you know, I wanted to ask you a question because I feel like that some people feel like God has a call on them to share something, but they can't decide if it is a message or their story or where those two things intersect. How do you help them figure out what it is they're supposed to share? So it kind of depends upon their end goal. Like a gal I just worked with, she's got a real heart message and couldn't decide, is this supposed to be an ebook or a podcast or a book proposal or a a self-published book? Like she couldn't figure out what am I supposed to do with this message? Like what you're saying. And so what I did is I asked her a gazillion questions over, we did a writer intensive. And so we did three hours one morning and three hours another morning back to back. I kind of set it up like a conference. So we had potty breaks and food breaks. So we wouldn't like die, but walking her through the, who is it that she wants to help? And she was able to paint a picture for me of this one woman that she had a conversation with in the parking lot outside of the mops group. And so we talked about that one woman and what was the best way to help her. And so she was able to clarify that the best way to help her is a really short little ebook and that a big old traditionally published book on this topic isn't going to meet that woman where she's at. And so through the writing intensive process, basically that original book proposal concept she has scrapped as a book proposal She's going to do it as an ebook. She's launching a podcast and she is working towards the process of traditional publishing for another topic that's related to this, but not, not entirely this topic down the road. And I'm able to come to her as somebody who's been traditionally published to self-published book proposal rejections, you know, epic book failures and say, here's some things that your traditional publishers are going to be looking for. And what are you going to do to kind of build in that direction while I work with her? So it is kind of a lot of different aspects, like a lot of spaghetti noodles on a plate. Yeah, it sounds like it could be potentially, you know, a lot of work, which I think is good. If you're willing to do the work, then you're going to get the most result out of that. But Mm -hmm. well, let me say this, though, for her, this particular gal, she's a homeschooling mom of two. And so part of our planning was what is reasonable in her schedule. And so where she had started on her writing goals, by the time we finished our work together, uh, was very different at the end. She really, I encouraged her to pace herself and extend her timeline because she needed to still have that word joy again, joy in what she was doing and not killing herself to get it done. Oh, you're so right. Because we talk about you don't have to do it all, all at the same time, a lot, I declare. And I think that that's such an important point is women especially can put so much pressure on themselves to be all things to all people at all times. And I love that you've just sort of released them from, you know, you don't have to get it all done immediately. That's so great. How did you get started doing this? Like, how did you decide that this was something that was needed? And how did you take that out of your own experience to help other people? Where'd that come from? Well, 10 years of failing. (laughs) It's not failure, but I started blogging when the twins were six months old and I started on a dare. So they're now going to be 13 just to kind of give context. And so I'm like a dinosaur in the blogging world, but my numbers wouldn't reflect that because uh, there was a point in which I think it was my third blog where I was absolutely like, this is what I want to do. I want to write. I want to speak. I I was already speaking. I, I want more and more. And I remember I was folding laundry with my husband And I was just giving him the big old list of why now. Uh, And he just, as he does, like, honey, I just, I just don't think this is the right time. And I really bucked against that for another year. 
And then the Lord shut me down completely. And it's a big old story. But I basically shut my blog down at the same year that everybody else was like taking off. Like anybody that I was running in that pact with right now is a gazillion times bigger than I am on the, if you're going to rank people on like how many followers they have. Okay. But that year I ended up in a really sweet discipleship accountability relationship. My healing with the Lord really came to like a fruit bearing stage. And I homeschooled my daughter that year. And to this day, she says that was the best year of her life. And I would agree it was for her and for me. And so I learned the value of obedience and of laying things down, letting God prune to be able to bear fruit and then to step into the callings that he's given us. And I think the calling of motherhood, the calling of marriage, the calling of writing, the calling of missional work, whatever it is, yielded. And just everything I did from that point forward was, Lord, what is it that you would have next? And the wrestle back and forth. Like I definitely dance with the Lord a lot. Like, I'll take that back. Thank you very much. (laughs) And then having to like yield it again to him. And what came in the years since has been, you know, I signed with an agent after I thought I wasn't going to pursue traditional publishing. Then the book that I thought would be published was rejected. Then the book that I thought would get published, you know, never got published. And then the sales of that book wasn't good. And so then there were more book rejections and more self-publishing that has been very fruitful. And then now my most recent book is a, a traditionally published book. And it's in the process of writing Unblinded Faith. I actually pitched another book proposal that was rejected. And that rejection uh, spurred me on to say and search out and research, how do you market book writing so that when you produce a book, it sells? And I couldn't afford to hire anybody. Uh, They were three and four and five thousand dollars to help me and said, Lord, I have a graphic design background. I've been doing public relations for years. I understand marketing. Help me figure this out. And through a lot of scripture study, And a lot of research kind of came up with this concept of missional marketing, where if I can approach what I do from the perspective of serving, not selling, it's good for the people who are receiving and it's good for me and it gives God glory. And been doing that kind of approach for the last nine months, have seen fruit from that and have been sharing about that with other writers and even coaches and have been helping them kind of cultivate that approach in their work, whatever their missional work looks like. So that is kind of a long story. (laughs) No, I love that story, because that really helps me understand where that came from for you. And I'm that kind of person that just needs to know. But yeah, for other people listening, like, what would you say is the biggest thing that women would get if they took the plunge and say hired you or another kind of writing coach, like what is the biggest thing you think might be missing out there that can be helped by using this kind of help, this service? Yeah. Working with me in particular, because I use a coaching approach where I, I assume I don't know the best thing for you, but that God does. I ask a lot of questions and that process of just verbalizing, even if you're an internal processor, just being able to articulate what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it helps create clarity and vision for moving forward. And it can very much be a process of affirmation and encouragement and accountability and support because the writing life can be pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, And then feedback, like with my client, I didn't edit her proposal, but I looked at it and I said, here's some really amazing things that you have said that resonate with me as a woman. And here are some really good points that I think would resonate with the marketing and sales team at the publishing house but here are some holes. I don't understand what you mean by this. I don't know what this means. I don't understand why you're saying it this way. And so it's feedback, it's critique, and critique helps us grow. Oh, you're so right. In fact, I did an interview on this podcast with Amy Stockstill a couple of episodes ago, and she talked about why getting feedback is the best thing anybody can do for themselves, but also why it's the scariest thing that women want to do or don't want to do because they're afraid that they're going to get hurt or they're going to be told that they completely stink at this or their dreams are going to blow up in their face. Mm -hmm. But that feedback is the most valuable thing that you can do. So I love that is something that you offer. 
Yeah, I'm pretty frank. Like I have one of my best friends when she showed up at the boarding school interviewing, I was the only person the whole day meeting her. And I said, you'll love it here, but your first year is going to be absolutely horrible. You're going to feel like you jumped off a boat and you're drowning, but I'll be there with you when you're drowning. I'll help you along the way. And she, in the years that followed, she's like, you're the only person that told me like it is. And because of that, when she was feeling like she was drowning, she was like, oh, I'm going to call Lisa because she told me that I'm going to be in this and she's in it with me. And so I'll do that with my clients. I'll be like, listen, this is harder than you think it is and requires perseverance and endurance and putting some skin in the game. It may not feel good to have that kind of accountability in the moment, but I don't want to make you happy. I want you to join God in his work. And so I'm going to kind of push you in that direction. I love that. I think that's so great. You set an expectation for her. And so when she came up against that obstacle, she knew, oh, this is normal and it's temporary. So I love that. I love, love, love that you do that. That's so cool. But, you know, I don't want to let too much more time go by without us talking about the fact that you are also a published author. You said you've done it both ways, Mm self-publishing and traditionally. And you actually just released a new book last month. And so... I'm wondering, you know, share a little bit about the book and maybe your journey to get there. Oh, I love this book. It's so good to be at a place where you can say you love something you've done. Oh, I, yeah. I can't say I've always felt that way, but uh, this book is called Unblinded Faith, and it's about gaining spiritual sight through believing God's word. It's a 90-day devotional, and the Lord was kind to basically my agent knew of my availability and my passion for the word, and Harvest House had a need for a devotional in their calendar. And it was just a match. I didn't have to go through the publishing, like the big proposal process. I just had to do a little one sheet on the book. They actually gave me the idea of what they wanted me to write about. And then it was free game. So I had to come up with 90 verses, which is kind of interesting because I don't use devotionals. And so I was like, oh, Lord, uh, how's this going to work? But he reminded me that when I first started reading scripture for myself, it wasn't when I came to Christ in college. It was when I had a friend put a devotional in my hand and another friend at the same time telling me, get real with God, like enough joking around here. And I started using that devotional as the format for my scripture reading time. And so that's how I approached writing on Blinded Faith of how can this be a roadmap for women who are having a hard time figuring out what to read and how to engage with the scriptures so that when they finish with me, they're kind of on their own with the Lord and in a good way is the goal of the book. So it's it's really some verses are wonderful, like you want to put them on a coffee mug and other verses you're like, oh, this is a little hard least. Why would you include this one in it? And us sort of wrestling through what does God's word say about who he is and who we are and how we can live for his glory. Oh my gosh, I'm obviously going to have to grab a copy of this book. It took me forever to figure out when I was reading the Bible, how to get real with God and how to make it come to life for me and how to hear God in that. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that I am just so grateful that at least for me, I figured out, but I'm always looking for other ways that people do it. And I know women that don't know how to do it. And I get so excited to be able to share with them like a resource or here's my story or here's how this happened. So this thrills me that that's what this book does. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. What was really fun for me was the way with my launch team, super sweet group of women and about halfway into the launch, they're like, can you create for us a study guide to do this with other women? And I kind of laughed. I'm like, it's a devotional. And they, they pushed back and they said, no, this is like, I want to talk to other women that I'm doing life with about what you've written and about these scriptures. And so with their help, I created a, what I call gathering guide. So that's available for free at unblindedfaith.com. And there's a six week format and a 10 week format. So in the six week format, you won't read the whole book, but the idea is to gather together and get real with one another about what scripture has to say and how to apply it. That's so great. And I love too, that that kind of comes full circle and brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, which is establishing those mentoring relationships. Yes. Isn't that fun? That's so cool. Yeah. Because we do sometimes need like, we need a reason 
sometimes it feels hard to just say, hey, let's just get together. But if you can get together with some sort of bigger purpose, then it doesn't, I don't know, just sometimes works that way. No, I totally agree with you. In fact, I would say that most of my closest and best friendships came out of doing something else where we first met or we were involved in another project. And then we also just kind of began to talk and get to know one another. So I absolutely see that. Well, and as I was writing the book last summer, I had to turn the book in in July. I was actually hosting a small fellowship at my home. And it was the first time I had done something like that since we moved here. It was a big risk for me to invite people. And it was also a big step of faith to give up that work time and trust that God was going to provide. But that became the sweetest fellowship and the dearest friends emerged from those eight weeks together. And so that's why I think that even a short commitment, a six week commitment can bring such fruit and new friendships. Oh, you're absolutely right. And again, I'm just loving everything that you're saying, because it doesn't have to be like this massive lifetime suck that maybe would keep people from reaching out and doing those things. It could be a short commitment where you pour into somebody and who knows what blessings will come out of it for you both. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to talk to you too, because we've talked a little bit about the mentoring and we have talked about writer coaching and we have talked about your new book. And you had mentioned something to me earlier before we started the podcast about a message bearer manifesto. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what that is, because I think it's really cool. Yeah. So that came out of, um, and this is going to hit for your speakers. I think they're going to resonate with this. A year ago, I had said yes to being a keynote speaker at a conference. And I can't believe I'm going to share this publicly, but like I said, I bear all things. Do it. Um, And I was really excited about it. It was local. I put it on my website. And then all of a sudden, I get an email from the conference organizer that they decided to go in another direction and would no longer need me. Ouch. uh, Yeah, thank you. Like crushed. I was like, is that a personal rejection? What on earth is that? And it was really hard. And and I was mad at myself, too, because I hadn't put a contract into place. And so without a signed contract, I know better as a speaker. You need a signed contract. You need a deposit. You need terms. Like, this is part of what it means. And yet, because my experience leading up to that, I was like, oh, I kind of know it will be fine. I'll just go with it. But I came out of that experience with... Like, Lord, I need to understand what it is that I'm doing for you as a writer, as a speaker, as a ministry leader. Like my livelihood, I contribute to our family based on what I earn. I have to. If I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would have to go get another job. So this is my work. And when I say yes to a commitment, that means I'm saying no to something else. And so if I say yes to a speaking commitment, I start preparing the content that's taking away from whatever other work I'm supposed to be doing or time with the family. And so he and I kind of, I ended up in Second Corinthians and found things that Paul was saying that completely resonated with me and reshaped my vision for what I call missional work. And that is being somebody who gets paid as a message bearer of the good news. And that comes in the form of being a writer, being a speaker, being a ministry leader, Whatever it is, just because it's a Christian thing doesn't mean that the work isn't valuable. Uh, And how would I treat the work that I was doing with the same value that I wanted other people to treat that work with? And so he one piece of the message bearer manifesto. So it's just a short little document of 15 points that start with, I believe that. And each one of those points comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 through 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, like in that section of scripture. Okay. And I I basically wrote this because I needed to figure out what it is that I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I'll just point this out. This was so freeing to me. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord opened a door for me, but I had no peace of mind. And he continues to describe why he had no peace of mind. And I thought, oh my word, I've been praying all these years, open the door, yet not feeling like I had a decision to make once that door was open. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And if I had gone back, you know, looking back at that situation, I had no peace of mind at the fact that I didn't have a contract in hand and that the details of the expectation were not clearly put before me. And so though, although I received an invitation 
that was not an obligation for me to have to say yes, just because I had been praying that God would open doors for me. Okay. So it began like my thinking about how to steward my gifts, my talents and my time became reshaped as I looked at the scriptures. And if you look through, I'm not going to read it, but in the rest of that passage and then the passages to follow, Paul talks about sharing the good news verbally. He shares about it being a letter on our hearts. He shares about going around and conveying the message that God has given and the opposition that comes with that and the misunderstandings that come with that. And it just was incredibly freeing to me to say, God understands all of this and gave me more confidence to do what I do without feeling like I have to apologize at times. Oh my God, total sense. It makes total sense to me just because I love what you said about how just because you got an invitation doesn't mean that you have to or you're obligated to say yes, that you can really think through, is this what you're supposed to do? And, you know, there's room for that to even be imperfect also. I mean, you may have thought that you were supposed to do that one obligation, and maybe you were, but then something else happened and it ended up not being your role, but that's okay. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you are a total failure or that you misheard or misread God, but I love that you have this manifesto as a guide. And so we talked a little bit about how important that that manifesto for the message bearer can be, especially for the Declare community. And so you have agreed to give that to us for me to post a link on the website so that people can download that for free. Please, please. Yeah, this is something that I literally feel like it set me free. It was part of healing from the frustration of that. And God showed himself faithful and kind in the weeks and the months to follow. Actually, that weekend that I would have been speaking at that event, I found myself uh, leading a small retreat of five women with my sister in Christ, who I love to do ministry with that would, I wouldn't have been able to minister to those five women. And that was, oh, it was like a a bucket list as a speaker and ministry leader to be able to just have that setting that was provided for and all of our needs covered. I mean, it was just amazing, but I didn't know that back in March. Right. But I kind of feel like as I'm listening to you, like, uh, of course it was because God was all over that. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in all of my journey, writing, speaking, owning my own company, motherhood, uh, I can see how much I've grown and how many lessons I've learned in the most difficult places where it looks like a failure, where it looks like a rejection, where it looks like, oh, God, could this have gone any worse? Where I've screamed and yelled. I'm like, I'm so mad at you right now. Why have you done this to me? And then looking back and thinking, oh, my word, because you were sanctifying me and transforming me and making me more like Jesus. And it wouldn't have happened without that friction and pain. You know, I'm smiling as you say that. But I also think that it's so hard that that's the way we have to learn, isn't it? I know. I do. (laughs) I do ask for mercy. Like, I do say, Lord, really? I think I've had enough. (laughs) Can we please? I love how you talk to him. talk to him. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, yeah. We're very, we're very bro. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, that doesn't negate his holiness. But I definitely think that that makes us feel like we're friends. And that's just the goal is to be God's friend. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we at Declare are hosting our conference this coming fall. And I know that you know about Declare. And our conference theme this year is warrior. And that kind of comes from last year, as we were ramping up to our event, a lot of the planning team just kind of came under, I'm going to say spiritual attack. You know, I don't want to give too much credit to the enemy or whatever, but there just seemed like there was an unusual amount of hard things that we were going through as we kind of came up to this big event where we knew that God was going to show off. And Mm -hmm. so we decided that we didn't want to succumb to the defeat feeling or whatever that might be happening, that we wanted to rise up like warriors Mm. and kind of fight back because nobody was getting what God said was ours. And so that's part of what our theme is this year. And we talk a lot about the different types of warriors. There's rest warriors and prayer warriors, and there's Mm. speaking warriors, and you know, there's mom warriors. There's all different types. And so I like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast just What does being a warrior mean to you? Mm, Gosh, I can talk about this for hours because I I experienced tremendous amount of 
opposition uh, when I was going through the process of releasing Unblinded Faith. I mean, it was getting to the point of absurdity of health, finances, marriage, kids, every aspect that you could be defeated in. And I had a friend say to me, a mentor friend at a conference who came up to me. It's the only conversation I've had with her in depth like this. And she said, stop sitting down to have tea with the enemy and start focusing entirely on having tea with Jesus. Oh my gosh, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. And so that visual for me of a warrior is a woman who knows where her gaze is fixed. It has got to be fixed on Jesus and responding to his work, not the tap dance the enemy is doing to try to distract us. Wow, I love that. I need to write down that whole thing about stop having tea with the enemy. So great. I I bought myself a teapot. We were away at a retreat weekend and there was an antique store that we combed from top to bottom with my friends. And I'm like, I need to go home with the teapot so that I would remember. And it it sits right next to me. It's tea with Jesus, only tea with Jesus. (laughs) No tea with the devil. Thank you very much. That's so cool. And of course, I'm a yeah. coffee drinker. So I, you know, maybe need yeah. an espresso machine, but same idea, yeah, sure. right? Same idea. Same idea. That's yeah. so awesome. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Like no one's business. Well, mm-hmm. Lisa, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. I could literally talk to you for hours. I suspect this is not going to be the last time that you and I get together and record a session for our listeners. And I just I'm so thrilled about Everything that you're doing, everything God's done through you, your new book, but I'm so grateful for you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us and with me in particular. You know, I just, wow, I'm just so thrilled. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I love encouraging. I mean, I just do because it kind of somehow gives life more meaning and purpose when you know what you've been through, somebody else can now benefit from. So thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're so welcome. You're the best kind of encourager because it comes from a place of victory for you because you have overcome those things. And I just think that Mm. that's such a gift. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Okay, I'm being totally serious when I say that I want to sign up for all of the things on her website. And I'm guessing that you probably do too. But if you do, you can connect with Lisa on her website, moretobe.com or at kaleoagency.net. And copies of her books are available wherever books are sold. Uh, Those links and the links to everything else that we mentioned on the show today are available on the Declare website under the podcast tab or on your mobile device right now. Did you love this episode? I would love it if you would share it with your friends. That'd be so great. Don't forget to check out our sponsor today, Loved and Blessed, and get your free gift when you sign up using the code DECLARE. Also, don't forget to download the free gift that Lisa is offering on the show notes today. The rest of the notes that you need to know are you can subscribe to this podcast and then I would love it and be so grateful if you take a couple of minutes to leave a review and then just share it with your friends. Let us know if you want to partner with us as a sponsor in some way. Don't forget to get your ticket to our 2018 conference in October and get connected today with our online community through our Facebook page. It's so awesome. The people there are amazing. Well, I hope that every episode of the Declare podcast has inspired and encouraged you. Thank you so much for always listening and we'll see you next time on the Declare podcast. 